I think we covered last episode that the laser printer is the superior printer. In 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 uh, in fact, it may be the only printer that the uh, discerning person should ever buy. And the laser jet printers, unless they want to sponsor this podcast, can go fuck themselves. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Now, now I would take a dot matrix printer just for the uh, the, the retro appeal. That would well, be great. We- I spent I spent a lot of time in my youth. My dad, who uh, you know worked at IBM. He was he was he was of the type of worker where the only computer equipment he had in his house was IBM equipment in the 80s which nice. was always like four times as much as you would have to pay because you know if his boss came over for dinner he wanted to make sure that his boss saw that he had <laughs> IBM stuff so he had some kind of IBM dot matrix printer and he had oh what I wouldn't give well I would I, I would not give a lot of things but it would be fun to have a box of the that um, dot matrix uh, daisy wheel paper that he had that alternated between white and green lines. Oh, y'all, y'all remember those? I remember yes. that. Yeah. It was so nice. And then he would have. I think he might get. He might have gotten some of those, like you know, from the trash can at IBM or something like that. You know, like it was, he always had a lot of that. Uh, but I remember I spent a lot of time drawing on that and using it. That paper was just so wonderful. So I'd, t- I'd take... It was nice and thick, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that, that color green, I think, is... You know, I don't log into Tumblr much anymore, but there's a lot of Tumblrs that I subscribe to that are like like vintage neon 80s stuff, and I've yet to see that color green, which I really... I need to look into doing that now. It looks like it's still on sale here at Staples. I believe it or no. not. No, so, uh, no. I, I just put the link in there. So, Printworks Professional Recycled Computer Paper, green bar. I think it's the with the green bar, right? I, I don't know. It's got the even. Huh. Somewhere right. it's still it's cheap. It's not cheap, though. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> did, did you uh, have the software so you could print stuff in banners? Oh, oh yeah, was, yeah. Was, oh, we yeah. definitely had that. And and uh-huh. you know, you know, he's he's dead now, so I can't embarrass him. But I'm pretty sure my dad would print out like boobies and stuff, like that. <laughs> you know. Like I think, <laughs> I think, I think there was alternating stuff like that. white and green lines. In the... Oh, geez. oh yeah. I mean, it was like little, little tiny X's and dots. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and, and you know, yeah. And and we would play all of the Sierra games, including Leisure Suit Larry. And uh, oh. you know, it was it was oh. with your dad playing playing King's Quest and Space Quest and Leisure Suit Larry and like. It was funny. I remember the Leisure Suit Larry, the uh, ID test for age they have is they would ask you about Beatles songs or Nixon or something. <laughs> which is just like, yeah, but the the thing is, it's like my kids listen to the Beatles and the yeah, 70s yeah, music. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it, you know, it's like a time is a flat circle, you know, because my 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 14 year old like really likes ABBA. You know, it's just like, OK. Oh and, and and they're all into you know Hamilton. And so they know like a lot of early U.S. history and. Maybe I just got nerds. But my, my question here was going to be, okay, so uh, we, of course, have the laser printer. I, I don't want to read off the name. It's some sort of HP because, you know, HP makes the best laser printers in my mind. I don't know if that's true anymore. Uh, but um, now, what is your policy on reusing paper, like flipping over the paper and putting it back in to reuse it? Do you always have a fresh sheet of paper in the cartridge there, or do you go around... Because and, and I ask this because we we each have kids, maybe not five kids like Matt Ray does, but 
you know, once you give your children access to print things, they are just printing the shit out of everything, right? There's like, there's paper flying out of there all the time, and they'll be like, oh, I don't like the way that looks. And that might happen 15 times before they get the one that they want, and they're just print, print, printing, right? And then, especially if you're doing this uh, school at home stuff as we were doing over the past, has it been five years, two years, however long it is? I mean, Forever. When, whenever that was, like, you got to print a lot of stuff. And so you end up with all of this, these printouts. And so I have been just like, maybe this is the, uh, the clothing optional vegan co-op influence that, that rubbed on me when I was living there. But I'll just flip over those pages and put them back in there to, to, to reuse. And I, my kids don't like that. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're against it. And, and so what, y'all need to give me some guidance here. Is this, I don't think I you need any guidance. I think that's the, absolutely the 100% uh, proper mm-hmm. way, especially, I mean, unless something needs to be like turned in or scanned or faxed for some kind of, you know, official, it's like, I, I think reuse as much paper as possible. I will say it takes a little bit of effort because you have to at least, uh, you know, mine, you have to kind of reload it into the cart, you know, into that's the true. paper that's thing. True. So a lot of the paper, what I found uh, during, especially the homeschooling period was a lot of that paper just became kind of the scratch paper. It's like, okay, yeah. just turn yeah. it over and like, you know, do your math or your drawing or whatever. That was the, the better use. Cause otherwise it required effort to like gather the paper up, make sure it was like reloaded in the paper bin. So um, but yeah, no, I think hundred okay. percent. I, okay. I even find that for myself though. Like I, pr- I mean, I don't print that much, but most of the time it's not something that's, you know, like official. So it's like, yeah, I just kind of, it would be great to keep reusing the paper. You know, a lot of times I just need it for a second or for just like a short period of time. So, oh well, yeah, yeah. My, my, my printer's duplex. So I got a lot less, a lot less of that coming out these days. Yeah. I got the same now. I do have one that's got that going. So yeah, printing on both sides. is just, I mean, that's worth the upgrade. I guess if you're buying the new uh, laser printer, like the one I think I had last week, that one prints on both sides. is perfect. Right. Yeah. So just, so, so, you know, you know, I think to close this out, I don't normally for, because uh, you know, we publish as a podcast, I don't normally uh, cite a comment from the live streamers, but I think the Deshaun wrote in and he said, this is a genius move that he has one tray for parents and the other tray for kids. And I think that, that division, I think that is that network segmentation. I don't know about software defined networking, (laughs) but I, but I feel like that is the ultimate uh, way of doing things is you've got to set up, you got it. Well, you got to set up two trays, right? Now or, is that is that is that uh, I you you'll know this Matt Ray but does that mean I need to go like configure some YAML for cups or something like how <laughs> how could I set that up? Um, I, I can assure you, Kote, you are not running Linux on the desktop, so you don't know that you're using cups. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Do you have a worn-out Post-it note with all your passwords on it? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. You can automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. And you can eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by the fine folks at Betterment, Peloton, SoFi, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. Don't take my word on it. Check out StrongDM for yourself with a free demo. 
Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. So with a topic like this, I always like to first cover how it works. That, you know, of course, the log4j thing. You got, you got some vulnerability there. Now, I went and read one of the, uh, uh, one of the rundown links, and it looks like, and whichever one of you knows, it looks like, and this is actually where, as the Java programmer who stopped coding in 2006, I still know what's going on, I think. And, and I think what happens is you can put in a dollar curly braces, like thingamajiggy. I forget yeah. what they call that. And you can put in a URL for a JNDI lookup. And I think when you, for whatever reason, I guess Log4J doesn't escape this JNDI lookup. And that means you need to get this kind of class, which I guess if you put a URL in there, like Java will go and download a serialized object, which then you've got some running code and yep. you're running. And I mean, I could see that logging runs with very heightened security. And, uh, and then you can, at some point, for some reason, you can execute that code and then you're off to the races, right? Yes. And, and I mean, I guess, is that, is that the deal is you just, you can. Yeah, that's the deal. And so, and, and you could actually, uh, you know, download and install a shell on the, uh, right, right, right. On, you know, running under the JDK and, uh, now, now as, I, as I, they say, I, you're off to the races. I feel like even in 2003, we were told not to do serialization. It was just not worth it. <laughs> Never, if you're implementing the serialization class or you're adding that interface, like it's just like you're doing it wrong. Just don't well, do that. Well, the, the key is you need to misspell your classes. That oh, was, right. <laughs> <laughs> that way nobody can like marshal in a, sorry, that, that's a throwback to our uh, era 1999 startup where Marshall was misspelled for the entire length of, of the uh, the startup. Just joking. It, it was at the, um, Coral? Yeah, coral. Like when we were serializing and unserializing objects, we miss, you know, whoever wrote that code misspelled it. And it, it, to this day, I can't stand it. What What were we doing at that company, Matt Ray? We should We should do record a bonus episode about oh. that. Like what about you know? We can bring Zane in, maybe even JP, and uh, can we? we can just yeah. yeah, we can just be Not like, less. what was what was happening there? What uh, that's we uh, we were we were plumbing the depths of the internet at the time. Yes, there were yes. like eight pages, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, uh, yeah, seems like there's a security vulnerability, and and as I as I, it seems like the patch has a problem to it as well, right? It doesn't. But, yeah, uh, the 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 patch, the first version of the patch was still left other vulnerabilities in place, and once people started looking, they're like, you know, holy crap, this thing is, you know completely uh open to the the wild west and luckily uh, i saw that uh was Elasticsearch is uh is not vulnerable because they ship a version of of log4j that hadn't been shipped since like 2006 <laughs> <laughs> well that led to a lot of the memes right that was one of the oh, memes yeah. so, like, so you never memes. uh you never you never have the if you never upgrade you never have the vulnerability or something like that it was very funny yeah. or if you never log yeah. That's true. You never liked that. Was human. Well, I do think uh, there are many, many articles written on this and blog entries. I uh, would like to just give a shout out to the Swiss government. I think I put the link in here. I'll even put a link, a little uh, show art so you can see it. I think they had the best write up. I think they had a great little diagram. Oh, that's uh, where they, I learned it. Yeah, yeah. And they, uh, they really, it's 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 the perfect level. So if you're just for somehow you've been under a rock in the IT world and you've never don't know what's going on, you should read that. It's really good and have a nice summary of it and. 
there's like a million things to do to fix it or uh, not a million things. There's all the patches and stuff to do. So, yeah, so it's good. But yeah. I do think what I thought was more interesting was the meta conversation, right? It's like, I don't really can't add anything to like what you should do. Everyone's written up like how to patch it. I don't have anything off there, but I did think it, it spawned a great conversation around like, well, there's, this is open source. So like, what are the expectations of security? Then when something bad happens, what are the expectations that someone will respond quickly and then how, if at all, should those people either be compensated or incentivized to quickly address one of these issues? I just thought, and that, I now, now that's a that's, lot of Twitter discussion about that. This is what, so first, first I want to say a comment and then get immediately to what you're saying. It's like, I mean, I don't mean this to sound dismissive, but it's just like, yeah, shit happens. Right? And so, and so like. <laughs> Like I, I think I think uh, I mean in, in an instance like this, no, I think I think tweets are good. Like there's one I don't know that someone somewhere said that's like you know this uh, this this problem is a confirmation of whatever it is I want to say about programming, and and so like I you know it's just like whatever stuff happens like and you got to you got to deal with it, and uh, to be to be all systems person the the failure that you should be ashamed of is that when your system can't handle problems in the system. Although I guess you could go a level above that and say you should have no shame in your system not being able to hold, handle problems in the system. But eventually you'll just get to the, you know, I was talking with Kim the other day. I was like, what was I joking about? Oh, yeah, some Adam and Eve joke. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm sure they, they got expelled. And they were like, I don't understand why they, he would create someone who would piss him off so much if he's got all the power. So, like, <laughs> eventually you got to find, like, like, you know, the bulkhead that you stop at. <laughs> So, but anyhow, that is what I wanted to ask about is I saw in my Twitter perusing all these people about like paying people for OSS and like, wh where did that come from? This seems like all I read it being Twitter is all I read was the people who were upset about it. Not the original. Yeah. Of, uh, I mean, the original thing that that it did feel kind of disingenuous because it's like, I mean, I guess people are like, well, you know, if, it, I didn't know if it was coming from the, you know. Well, if you use free software, you get what you pay for crowd or, you know, hey, everyone who writes software should be paid. And I think both of them are, uh, you know, obviously the first is just a troll. right. I mean, we're living in the world of everything. You know, most companies are running 99 percent of their stack is under the covers is open source. And somebody, you know, definitely people were paid to work on Log4j at some point. Maybe it started mm -hmm. and, and, you know some unpaid person or it was just a side project. But the whole point is like, it's been used by a lot of people paid. It's been, you know, undoubtedly, you know, coded by people pulling a salary. I, I just think that is, uh, that that's just like a, a non, non thing because. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess I'm trying to find the straw man and I feel like this is a reply to a straw man argument where there is no straw man. So like there must be yeah. there must be like the uh, what what do they call it in infections the patient patient zero there's got to be like tweet zero where someone was like well if they just paid people none of this would have happened because <laughs> okay, so but wait, to go meta it. on the the meta here so well this got me thinking just more more broadly around just about open source popular open source packages like I don't this may exist so this is just a question it's like is there a place where I can go look and say say for the most say the top 50, whatever, pick any number you want. The 50 most popular used open source libraries, however you wanted to find it. Like, mm. is anyone kind of tracking like how many people are working on it? And like, 
and 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 just kind of just the general sense of like are these people available if something bad happens like yeah like I, are they, is does anyone just even know i guess is my question <laughs> like i cuz i had no idea i was just like oh i guess people are working on this but i have no idea where to look or to know if log4j and and i i saw someone once say this matt you you may remember this conversation a long time ago someone said like you know health of an open source project is something like having um frequently you know frequent contributions from the community but also having a, a pretty big pool of people doing it that that way you know you have like a good project it's right. not just it's one hero um and i think we always talk about Heartbleed now we have to say that we have to say like only one person was working on the ssl library so that wasn't very healthy right when that that problem happened so but i have no idea like is anyone tracking the health of all the popular projects like should should I, we be doing that? Is it like a dashboard somewhere? We definitely should. And I, and I think that was one of the like after effects of Heartbleed is people are like, wait, what? You know, there's there's th so there were a couple of of different little uh, I don't know if they're foundations or funds or whatever to like make sure that some of this software is getting funded and definitely a lot more visibility for projects like you know LibCurl and OpenSSL and um, where. You know, they they're like, hey, this only has, you know, a small subset of maintainers and it's used by, you know, three billion devices on the planet. You know, maybe maybe someone should take a look at it. But I mean, Log4J is I don't even know. You know, it's, it's Apache. Um, it's used by a lot of people. I don't I think the problem is just like this was a fairly novel attack that nobody had really um, gathered. And, and, and I would hazard a guess like there's probably a lot of similar Java vulnerabilities out there that, right. you know, yeah. we're combing through Java think, now to find. Just to pose the question, I guess this is like, I don't know if it doesn't exist. And I'm sure someone will maybe go point it out and send it as it does. It's like, I don't, should somebody, and I guess the Linux foundation would be the only people I could think of like would be tracking. It's like, Hey, should somebody just be tracking this? Like, here's the top 50 things. Here's the health of them. Um, like, is that even necessary or is it just like, yeah, it doesn't really matter either. It's just like, yeah, hey, we just, all that matters is that when something like this does happen, that people kind of quickly respond, which it looks like the community, there's been lots of responses. So, so maybe it is one of those things like, do you even need to plan for it? Is it just like, yeah, you, you know, you, you raise a good point, Brandon, is that like, maybe this is actually a positive case study. Like, like the, I, I don't know if we have a baseline for like, when a problem happens, like how fast, like we, you know, I don't know. I can't think of some real world world example, except maybe like a global pandemic that doesn't seem to be fixed in a speedy <laughs> way. But like, we can't really like, like, I don't know. It's probably going to take like another week and then things will basically right. be cool. Right. Like, so two weeks to like fix something like, no, this is, I, I bet it's going to be more like the, uh, the specter vulnerabilities in the CPUs where, mm. you know, they found, they found like one of these, you know, out of order uh, bugs in Intel and then like, oh, we got to fix this. And then they're like, they immediately found like two or three other ones. And then, you know, oh, AMD was vulnerable too. And yeah, now we're yeah. like, we're shipping these patches that, you know, took 20% off the speed of these CPUs um, for That's eternity fair. because because they're there. And so the problem with Log4J is it's core to most Java products. Most mm -hmm. enterprises and, you know, enterprise-y type apps a lot of them are Java and they're sitting on systems that haven't been touched in years. They're, you know, they're going to have to go break the encryption on the mainframe and, and, and update these things. Uh -huh. And, you know, so, you know, and, and they probably don't have the source to a lot of these Java applications anymore. They're just sitting there running 
you know, eager to take a JNDI lookup. And so the way you're going to solve this is either like, you know, some sort of hot patch for JVMs where, you know, they disable JNDI and a whole bunch of firewall rules to keep things from getting out. But a lot of this code is probably unpatchable. That's what's what's nuts. Yeah, you, that's that's a good point. So it's a good uh, it's 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 a good uh, thing to stick in your your conversation about addressing tech debt and uh, also being able to like quickly patch things, secure software supply chain. I think uh, I think that's what they call so, it. So, but right? to that end, Matt, I think it. I mean, I think the answer right just becomes firewall because I think most people. I saw lots of. Uh, Various like AWS, I think issued some firewall. Like, here's what you should do, and then I think Cloudflare had some stuff. So I don't, I don't know. It just feels like I, I just maybe this is just a, another broad question. Is like sort of like have we reached the point with all of these exploits and various outages? Like, they're more like like we would treat like weather events in the real world. It's just like yeah, like yeah, you should always have electricity, but then there's sometimes it snows and you just don't, and you just have to like I, I deal think, with it. And I think that's like, the, the perfect metaphor. Yeah, there's just like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the logging is bad. So we have to update some firewall rules. You have to patch. Some of these things will sit out there for a while. So when it snows, and it's just like, it's just going to snow. Like you just <laughs> have to deal with and, it. And I, I think, I think, I think as, as that guy in uh, the Princess Bride said, never live in Texas in winter. Hey everybody, it's me. Today's show is sponsored by Postlight. Postlight is a strategy design and engineering firm, and they want you to subscribe to their podcast. After all, who wouldn't want you, a quality listener and person, to subscribe to their podcast? The show is hosted by Postlight co-founders Rich Ziotti and Paul Ford. You may remember Paul from his famous Bloomberg article, What is Code? Now, that's the first article I think I read, where I noticed there was a bunch of those little whiz doodles moving around as you read it. Now, hopefully you also remember Paul as writing all sorts of other great articles under the, uh, I don't know, F-Train moniker, his uh, Twitter handle and blog name. URL, whatever. The Postlight Podcast is a weekly no BS conversation. That's a phrase you'll have to look up uh, about what's happening in tech, business, ethics, and culture. A few of the recent guests include Clay Shirky, product discovery coach Teresa Torres, and software-defined talk favorite, chief cloud economist Corey Quinn. The show touches on topics like the power of naming your initiatives, agency product management, programming in Python, and creating more efficient meetings. I'm pretty sure everyone can do better at least two of those. Plus, there is plenty of other discussions on everything from parenting to living in New York City. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. For more information and to see all episodes, visit postlight.com slash podcast. So why don't you open up your podcast listener, go search around for it, take a listen. I always enjoy the episodes. They're fun. They open up with a good old cold start, like some podcasts you might be familiar with, maybe even listening to. They're nice and uh, humane and uh, informative. They've got, they've got some great theme music, too. And, of course, we thank Postlight for sponsoring our show. Well, it seems like it's been a week of exciting failures. I think also right in time for reInvent to end. That was last week, right? Can, can yep. you all uh, jog? Yeah. I think also, uh, I don't know, U.S. East or something in AWS went out. I mean, that's the one that always goes out, right? Like, I feel like... I feel like East. It's the one where everything is hosted. It seems like it yeah, seems like all the most popular things are hosted. Now, now, now. Okay, let's start with that. Is like, I mean, is is it because it's closer to Europe or New I think York? It was the first one, like, honestly. I think I feel like it was like okay. the first major. It, it's data in center. it's in like Northern Virginia, right? Because, because, because Northern Virginia, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I mean I don't know anything, right? And if I know that U.S. East is the one that always goes down, like I mean I feel like. You don't have to write an O'Reilly book on this. Just don't run your shit in the East. 
right? Like, because it's, it's the one that's well, but down. like, I think the West had some problems later this week. That was oh, yeah, 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 West had problems yeah. yesterday. Yeah, is there so. is there uh, we got like a uh, uh, like a Kansas City or St. Louis? No, or something? no, no, I don't know. There's, there's an Ohio, flyover, yeah. is there a flyover data center? Yeah, there yeah. should be. This is you know, something as as a Texan that I realized, uh, everyone talks about Ohio like it's like not an east coast thing, and like Ohio is like totally the fucking east coast, it's like right up there. <laughs> Like mm, what, yeah. what is it? What does it take? Like two hours? It, it is to... the Midwest. It's oh, definitely yeah. come the Midwest. On, come on. I mean, no, I mean, it it, what does it take? Like three hours to drive from the Atlantic to like Cincinnati or something? How long would it take you to get to Cincinnati? To Cincinnati? Well, Cincinnati's well, on the pretty far over. You just well, you would want to go to Columbus, it, right? That, that's still okay, Ohio, Columbus. Okay, Thanks whatever. for helping me out. But here, <laughs> where's Toledo? I don't even know. So, someone needs to look this up and calculate the drive from. I mean, it's got to be a straight shot from the Atlantic. Is that? Uh, I don't know. Is it a Mercada or no? That's that's Tyler Cohen. What's the projection of the actual flat map versus the other one? Like I don't know where Columbus lines up with the Atlantic. It's still going to be the Midwest, though. I mean, no matter what you say. Yeah, no know, matter I what. Mean, it's like oh, you, you can your your data point listen, of uh, listen, how close I, it is to the ocean is not going to win anything. I just like, I just I just feel like I just feel like if I wanted to drive from Austin to Marfa, that would be like three trips from the Atlanta and the Atlantic to Columbia, like Columbus. True. Right, like it's just like whatever. Like, if 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 it, if it if it only takes you a day, I'm not interested. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah. And- so, so so you got you got some problems there with uh, East going down, and I and I my understanding from listening to uh, uh, you know every now and then I listen to the what is it Roll for Enterprise podcast. That's a little pre recommendation recommendation. Those those people are delightful. Uh, but like there was some network configuration issue. It's I think always I think DNS. Yeah, yeah, always the DNS. Uh, but I think I think this every time this goes down, right? There's the uh, you know, uh, as an example of why I try not to engage with Twitter, despite the fact that it's damaging my career and therefore my cash flow. Uh, like, I mean, everyone's always like, oh, you know, you should uh, not just run in one data center, and you know, you should know about that. <laughs> And, and um, I mean, I guess that's true, but also, uh, I, I don't know. I think this falls under our, our log4j thing of just like, I don't know, stuff breaks every now and then. It's just weather. <laughs> it's like, you know, the nice thing about being on, on US East is when there's a failure, you're like, I'm a good company, right? We're all over there. But, you know, I, I, guess, I guess this raises a good point. Uh, in your experience, uh, is it possible now in the culture – to blame Amazon for your unavailability. Do you think acceptable? I think it definitely gives the largest consumer applications a nice, uh, almost like press coverage, right? Mm. So if you are caught up uh, in the outage along with everyone else, it does soften the blow, right? The worst okay. case is to be the only, like if you're the only service and you're completely out, right, then then you're in trouble. So I mean, I do think it, it is kind of the, a general th- uh, interesting question, though, around like, I think most businesses would say, like, hey, we've got to do everything to be up. It's really, really important. Um, and that would maybe lend yourself to like, well, all right, you know, one answer would be multiple clouds, however you want to define that. Um, the other one is just to say, it's just almost acknowledge that your business, while sure, it you want it to be up all the time, like everyone, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's no different than a lots of other things. If Amazon can survive an outage for a few hours, 
your business would likely be able to. But but then, you know, I think this is kind of like that moment where you have to have like a real, um, I don't know, heart to heart with yourself. Maybe you are, if you are in high frequency trading and one hour of downtime during market uh, open costs you millions of dollars, then absolutely you probably have to like really take a hard look at it. If you're just an e-commerce right, company right, right. and the orders go down for an hour, yes, there's some theoretical loss there, but is it worth all well, the time and effort? And, I don't know. And, and- and the nice thing about being on AWS East is like, even if you're not there, something you depend on is probably there. So, it, you know, you're going to have issues, <laughs> you're mm. going to have issues regardless. So it's like, oh, you know, we can't serve, uh, you know, images from S3 or something like that. So it's like, you know, you're going to have a bad day, even if you're not hosted there. You know, it's just the way so much goes through there that. I say lean into it, man. Just go all in on US East. You're like, this is this is we 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 live and die together. You know, I don't know, this, this is it's kind of the thing. We, it's kind yeah. of your world, though. I mean, you talk a lot about Tanzu. I mean, it is the kind of thing where it's like, hey, if you did get everything abstracted with Tanzu or some other platforms, and you had it run in between just one of them, GCP and Azure and AWS, pick pick any two out of that list, right? It's like, you know, if you could do it in a way that wasn't so expensive to over engineer as to be you know, just like required lots of effort and you could quickly just be like, all right, yeah, we know the infrastructure goes down at both these every once in a while and switch over, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the theory, right? That's what everyone wants to hear. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I don't, you know, again, it's just like, I just think it, you as a company, the business owners really have to spend some time thinking about if it's worth that effort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's two things. I mean, I mean, my, my favorite sort of like uh, discussing an idea move is, is always to ask compared to what? Right. Like and so like, sure, a, a major part of the public cloud goes down. <clears throat> but like I used to use on premise uh, exchange and that shit was always down. Exactly. Like, like, and and so like even, you know, you just have to like what is it? The Overton window? Like there's almost like an Overton window of like public cloud where you raise the expectations up. And then, you know, once it once it fails out, you're like, oh, my God, public cloud's terrible. Uh, because that's how people talk. Uh, but like, it's it's sort of like compared to like when it was even worse, right? And so you have that. And then also, yes, uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk about VMware Tanzu, the uh, the people who are going to help you with your multi-cloud future. But I think also it probably should be like, again, as you were saying, Brandon, if it matters to you financially or strategically or whatever, like it probably is something worth considering. Like, all right, I mean, let's assume that we need like a real, maybe we don't run multi-cloud all the time, but like we at least could like take a few hours to switch over to something and let's just build that into the architecture. But, you know, uh, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Like you well, can't you can't stick a hat on a cat for like a day. Who cares, right? Like it's not going to kill you. Well, and, and actually I, I'm going to uh, uh... – Go, go against my previous advice of going all in on US East um, is maybe you don't have to be multi-cloud. You just need to be multi-AZ. I mean, yes. Amazon has exactly. has AZ outages occasionally, but they never have like all of Amazon is down, right? Right, right, right. So you're going to get some more nines there just by being in like, you know, uh, Southeast Asia West, you know, one or something like that. Yeah. And, and I, I think this gets, this gets to another thing that I've, I've uh, oddly enough, or not oddly enough, but like for some reason in the past two weeks, I've my my sort of uh, 
the thinking in my brain and the external world have collided a lot recently around this idea of multi-cloud. Like, what does that exactly mean? And like, there was a uh, there was an O'Reilly uh, cloud adoption survey. It was actually hard to find out what the official name of the survey was, but it was a great survey. And if you read through it, at least the way that I read through it, is that there's there's actually only two charts in there that I think are terrible, right? That that I that I think <laughs> high praise. Only two terrible charts. <laughs> well, well, I, I think I think it's notable because I, I think I would encourage people to look through it and be like, don't even look at the content. Just look at these charts and and put it through like your your Tufty logic and be like, what's going on with these charts, right? Yeah. And one of them is like, anyways, there's two charts in there that, that it's very instructional to look at them and be like, what the fuck is up with these charts? So you should find them. But the the content in there, like one read of it, the way that they survey people is that I also I don't like their def. They use the phrase hybrid cloud, which is just like whatever. But like, um. I think if when I look at the the stuff in that survey, my takeaway is that like, oh right, computers. Like nowadays, when you say multi cloud, what you mean is you run shit on computers, right? Like, and it could be like your Chick fil A fryer, it could be your AWS East, it might be like some data center you're running. But basically, like, I kind of think what multi cloud means is just like, yeah, we're kind of done with this de- designation of like what side of a firewall thing is on, and we just run stuff on computers. And we want the ability to manage all of that. It's as we used to call it. Y'all remember this phrase in the 2000s, heterogeneous systems <laughs> management, uh, which just means you got all these different things you run it on. And uh, so you got to be. So maybe what we're saying, though, do you think the question just comes back to it's almost like having the, the question with the business, whoever owns the business, like, let's have a very real conversation around like how long can our business be down where it's not ideal, but it's fine. And I think the weather exactly. thing would be, and I think a weather analogy would be like, if there was an ice storm and we lost a day where people could not work because there was literally like no power or, or a hurricane or pick, you know, any other natural disaster, like, like, is that acceptable for us to just be like, Hey, sure. We could try to prepare for all of this. We could try to figure it all out. But if it's a one day kind of thing, then it's fine. It'll all work out. Right? I, I mean, um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be an anarchist, but I would welcome more of USE shutting down if that means I don't have to work that day. Well, I, and, and I'm thinking, you know, the SLA for the state of Texas has a lot of fours in it. Yeah, yeah. but I just think, I mean, like, I guess that's the whole thing because I mean, I think sometimes probably we probably I'll put myself like you know you go to the you, you do the presentations and you say something like, hey, everyone needs to be up all the time and you know twenty four seven and that's what business yeah, is but like. Yeah, true, we all know true. in reality, um, and you know the, the you know again like the pandemic having us numerous examples of like, Hey, turned out like we kind of all figured out in a week how to do like online school. Like it wasn't really perfect, but like it did get figured out. Right. And it was like, and I guess we could have spent years preparing for that, but it was like, well, everyone fired up some zooms and do Google Google classrooms. And it just kind of worked out. And it's like, it probably, that probably was the right solution rather than trying to prepare for years in preparation for something like, you know, like if you 10 years ago, you didn't have zoom and probably 10 years, we'll have something different. And All right. um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe, or, or maybe I've just like, maybe it is to your point, Cote earlier. It's just like, maybe I'm just getting old where I'm just like, Hey, it, life works itself out. Right. You know, it's just I, I'm like, tired of this outage. This episode is brought to you by CBT nuggets. Are you looking to build your it skills? Do you want to learn more about it security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT nuggets. 
They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash STT. That's cbtnuggets.com slash STT. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. Start learning today at cbtnuggets.com slash STT. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. As always, there's a lot of conferences you can go to, uh, unless some kind of uh, crazy COVID thing happens. I am going to be at the That Conference, January 17th to 20th in Round Rock. Let's just call it what it is, Austin. Uh, along with Brandon, we'll be doing a live recording. I'll also be giving a talk there. One of my teammates, Layla, is shaping up to be like a really nice, impressive conference. It'll be a good one. We have all sorts of discounts depending on the type of ticket that you want. Uh, you can get $75 off many of them. 50 on one, you know, which is fine. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 335, you can find those discounts and you should check them out. Also, there's several DevOps days. You know, I went and applied to a bunch of them uh, the other day. But DevOps Days Chicago has the call for papers open, as does DevOps Days Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Uh, I, you know, now, Alabama, not in New England. I can tell you that definitively. Um, they're all, they also have a call for papers open. Now, also, confusingly, there is a DevOps Days Birmingham United Kingdom uh, that you could also check out uh, if you're interested in that. Right. All sorts of good uh, uh, DevOps days. You should come to the one in Amsterdam, and there's one in uh, Eindhoven. Eindhoven? Maybe systems guy can tell me the correct way to pronounce that. I, I'm a little, it's, it's late in the day for me, so I, my, my, my uh, Netherlands algorithms aren't working. But there's all sorts of great conferences going on. You should check them out. You know, I started uh, with my team planning out these spring tour conferences. Uh, we're going to start having those in April and beyond, so I'll tell you about them then. Any bureaucracy to go over, Brandon? We do. We've got a bunch of listener feedback. So one, I sent some stickers to Chris in Seattle, and I'm happy to send anyone a sticker. All you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And a couple follow-up items. We had some people respond to some things we talked about last week. So first, Chris uh, sent along a video that explains Aussie slang to us. It's fantastic. So if you want to uh, be able to talk to Matt Ray in the future, you should. everyone should watch that. Uh, we also had Robert. He sent in a video. We, there was some discussion last week about how do you sort uh, uh, aluminum Evidently, there's a way to do it. There's a nice video, so you can watch it, cool. see how it how it works. Also, I want to do some uh, you know self promotion here. Did an interview this week uh, that's in your feed right now of uh, the chief product officer Jordan over at Single Source. So, some interesting things I learned about uh, databases, and I think you know Steve O'Grady wrote a nice piece a while back about like you know do we need all these different databases? Well, Jordan and his team they give us a nice little history of databases and they have a nice solution to maybe, maybe you just need one database. So I encourage everyone to check out that hear what they're doing over there. I'd also love to hear from our friends at MongoDB uh, and people that are into analytics. Cause I'd you know, like to hear their take on like, you know, do you need uh, specific databases for everything? Or maybe you can get a ri- rid of uh, some of these databases that you have there. And also there's a good story 
he tells about the beginning of GCP. I did not know where it started there. So if you're interested in that, he spent some time at Google. He can tell you that. And then uh, finally, just so everybody knows what's coming up this week, uh, we're going to have uh, another interview next week on, on observability. That'll be in the feeds kind of at the mm. regular time. So that's with our friend Michael Wild, who did some time at Splunk and now works over at Honeycomb. So we got to the bottom of it, uh, you know, a little bit there. A lot of talk about distributed tracing, which I thought was really interesting. And then uh, the follow-on, the last episode of the year you'll hear from us is our end-of-year episode. So that'll be out right before the New Year. So if anyone has any questions they want us to answer, put them in the Slack. Send them to questions dot questions at softwaredefinedtalk.com. We'll do a little fun little episode, answer questions, and uh, recap the year. So lots of things happening here at Software Defined Talk as we wrap up. Now, do you do you get those emails, Brandon? I get them all. I get all okay, the emails. Okay, good, good, read them good. all. Get, you know, get, get them, them all. Just making sure. All right. So, uh, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, my recommendation, I guess maybe it's a little bit morbid, but I still think it's pretty good, is uh, Apple on the iOS 15.2, they actually have um, this new support for legacy contacts. So upon uh, your, your passing from the earth, if you designate somebody as your legacy contact, that makes it easy for them to get access to really your Apple ID and all your Apple contacts and things mm-hmm. like that. So unfortunately, you know, I think we all kind of eventually experienced this with someone in our family. Um, it's, it is pretty nice if, uh, you make things easy for people going on. So probably not something you want to think about, but maybe just quickly go in there, probably make your spouse or your partner or another loved one, um, you know, a trusted contact. So makes their life a little bit easier. It's very easy to set up. I thought it was real simple. I thought it was pretty well done. So check out a- Apple legacy contact. If you're an iPhone or Apple user. Yeah. Defaults lifestyle. Google's, <laughs> Google's got that too. Uh, every, every like three months, it's like, are you still alive? It sends you an email. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I haven't gotten that email from Apple yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can little... set that up. It's like, just check in. You're, you know, it's like, if your account has been inactive, it'll like uh... notify your next of kin. Like, well, I'll throw in one other, account. just cause I think probably people listening to this, um, I believe many of our listeners probably provide like, you know, you become the home IT person, whether you wanted that job or not. So I've converted the family to one password, which I like, but one password actually also makes it real easy to create like emergency kits, like, you know, essentially print out everything. So I think it's actually part of like estate planning, you know, like if you do it, if you have it, like put all that together, like with your estate documents and it's, it's nice, right? Because it's just like, hey, if you need access to it, it makes it real easy for everyone to get access and and pretty simple. So I don't know, probably, you know, maybe it's not a fun topic to talk about, but end of year, right? Maybe once a year, you just sort of like got all your documents in order, like, you know, do one password, do your Apple or Google legacy contacts and, and you're set. Don't think about it for a while. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? My pick this week is a show that apparently has, has been canceled, but uh, it ran for four seasons called AP Bio. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, it stars uh, Glenn Howerton from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia and uh, Patton Oswalt. <clears throat> and and um, it's pretty good uh, as far as like, you know, comedies go. It's got very similar vibe to Always Sunny in Philadelphia about like horrible people doing funny things. And uh, I've enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, it's on Peacock. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, but do, do uh, I need to pro- set up some kind of like VPN to Philadelphia or something <laughs> to watch this? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I apparently I can watch that just fine in Australia. Oh, sure, um sure. They, they 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 stick commercials in. Oh, oh. So they have a free tier and occasionally it forgets to stick the commercials in. I guess nobody's watching anymore. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's good. 
Uh, I definitely recommend the show. Apparently, I, I looked this up. I think maybe here in the Netherlands, we can get HBO Max next year because of some Ziggo relationship. And uh, I don't know. Oh, you gotta get it. Matrix Matrix coming out. That's the last big release. We we we, maybe maybe for our annual episode, we need to discuss streaming things because I'm starting to think I can cancel Netflix. Mm -hmm. I need to think about that. I need some advice. Anyhow, did you uh, see Dune? Did you both find a way to see Dune? I I, I saw Dune last week. Yeah, Uh, okay. I I saw that I can buy it in YouTube at least. So I think I can buy it and watch it. Yeah. No, you got to go to the theater, man. It's good. It's worth uh, it. Yeah. All right. It's I, no, worth it. It was yeah. so good. Okay, okay, okay. We'll so recap good. it. We'll recap it on the uh, the wrap-up episode. We can talk well, to well, well, my recommendation this week, uh, you know, here in Amsterdam, I like to listen to Austin's best music channel, KUTX, on Alexa. You can just say, Alexa, play KUTX. And I happen to hear that there's this, uh, like, uh, there's a new album coming out from this combination. I don't know how to pronounce Kurt Ungabin. And this other person, uh, Leon, Leon Bridges, they're both like uh, Texans, uh, the group and the guy. And there's this album that they made called Texas Sun. And it's like, uh, I think they call it like um, retro f- soul or something. But it's like a good subtle, like uh, almost extremely subtle electronica. Like if you were th- to think of like the Octopus Project, but like totally chilled out and not like digital and then mixed it with just like... Um, What's the name of that guy who sang who uh has the last song in the um what's what's the show with the guy from Malcolm in the Middle about meth? Breaking Bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like my understanding is in the last episode there's a song by this guy. Uh what is the anyways, it's a good album. You should check it out. And they have a new one I'll coming check. out called uh, Texas Sun, and I think the new one is called Texas Moon. Clever title. But one, the album cover, fantastic. I, I would like to find out how to make the uh, any artwork that I use for uh, uh, stuff that I do have that kind of aesthetic and appeal to it. But it also sounds good, which is key for music. Uh, and with that, before uh, or right before you go to listen to that album and uh, set up who's going to inherit your digital life after you die, uh, and also uh, see something new to watch on something called the Peacock Network, which is a tragic <laughs> name, uh, what you should do is you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 335 to look up the URLs for that and uh, other things. Join our Slack channel. It's a, a great place to hang out full stop, as they say, over there across the Atlantic. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that that is something that, you know, as far as, like, I mean, phrases in movies like breaking the mainframe encryption, I think mm-hmm. wired to the motherboard should really been in there like that's really that's a phrase that people should start using we're in the mainframe like right after you say it's like it's running on the mainframe it needs to be wired into the motherboard wait maybe maybe it's beforehand they would be like well they have a they've got a firewall around the mainframe so we've got to be wired to the 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 motherboard motherboard so that's why we have to send someone in they've got to wire it to the motherboard and then and then we can break the encryption on the mainframe more importantly for the streamers, I don't want to leave anyone hanging here. Okay, I did a little, uh, I, I took a lot of liberties here. So I'm going to say Columbus, which is kind of the center of Ohio. From Columbus to oh, yes. Wall, um, I picked a point in New Jersey because that seems to be kind of straight, at least in this map that I'm looking at. I look uh, Walltown, New Jersey, it's, uh, it is eight hours and 12 minutes to, to drive. It's, it's five, and that's 529 miles. I will let all of our European friends convert that to kilometers themselves. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. so there you go. So that's how far it is from there to uh, the, that would be the Atlantic ocean. And yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I calculated you know. New York 
New York huh? City to Columbus, eight hours, 55 minutes on a toll road. You got tolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I, a little bit faster. You don't have to go all the way up north to New York. What about I, 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 Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, I just thought New York would but be the ultimate like this, New England uh, thing. That still means um, it's in Midwest. Though, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I gotta. I, mean, I gotta see it on a globe. I mean, I'm looking at it now, and I feel like Columbus might line up with Atlanta and Tampa. No, not not Tampa. What's up in the the top part of Florida? What do you got there? Like Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville's yeah. on the Atlantic, but like I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like let me let me zoom out here because this is like no, 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 no. You got to zoom out <laughs> to the whole. Do do the driving route in Google Maps and zoom uh-huh. out to the yep. whole of the United States. Yep, there. and that that route. Mm, let's say twenty percent, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not buying it. Ohio is part of New England. Man, you're gonna. No, of, you're gonna, you would get a lot of hate. No, 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 this, this is this, this yeah. is how how warped my, oh, my children's education has become. <laughs> I mentioned New England the other day, and my youngest was like, "Where's that?" And I, I, like, I think I think maybe I like, what I'm suffering from. You, you know, you know that you know that famous New Yorker magazine cover that's like the 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 map of America according to New Yorkers. Yes. And, and like, it's just like all of New York, all the boroughs, and then like the middle and then Texas. LA. And I, I feel like there's an equivalent in my mind of like the map of America, according to uh, not only a Texan, but an Austinite, right? Like, and it's, it's a whole like, there's basically just like New England is up there somewhere. We're all professionals here. Don't worry. That's not the sign off, Matt Ray. <laughs> I'm changing it up. <clears throat> Bye.